Well, when Pastor Scott asked me to come, I was excited uh, to be able to share with you about how to have better family relationships because being a parent is the most important thing you can possibly do. It's the most important role you'll ever have is to be a parent. So I prepared myself for being a good parent just like I did becoming a good dentist. There was lots of training that was necessary. And to be a good parent, there's a lot of training that's necessary. You don't just become a good parent by accident. It's easier to have children than to raise them. Right? It's easy to have children. It's hard to raise them. <laughs> but that's our job. And so raising our children uh, from <clears throat> to adolescence. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm, Lord, don't let me lose it all here. <laughs> um, it's a big challenge to help them to develop their faith. And to help them to uh, have their faith into adulthood. So... When Valerie and I were young parents, we went to every seminar that we could. We read all of James Dobson's books. We read every book we could get our hands on because we wanted to be the best parents that we could be. But now I'm looking at parenting through my rearview mirror. And most of my life, my parenting is behind me. Now I'm at the stage of being a grandparent. But let me tell you a little bit about my life as a parent. First of all, here's a picture of my family as they started out. There's my three girls. And um, here they are now. They, uh, they grew up. They're six, 16 of us now. <clears throat> so it's, I now have eight grandchildren. So I have become a granddad. How many granddads do we have out here today? Okay. I want to learn how to be the best granddad I can be. I may have been a good father. Doesn't mean I'm going to be a good granddad. That's a different role, right? And so we need to learn how to be the best that we can be. Because all eight, here's my eight grandchildren. Um, each one of them, it's, they're on a clean slate. You know, um, they don't know what they are. But I'm going to tell them what they are. I am going to be their label maker. I'm going to go and I'm going to whisper in their ears. You're beautiful. You're smart. I like you. God has a plan for your life. And God has a plan for my life. Thank you. And I want to give them all the information that I can. I'll tell them, hey, come here. I want to whisper it. I want to give you, tell you a secret. I whisper in the ear, I love you. You're, you're awesome. So these are the messages that I want to convey to them. I want them to know the truth about God and his plan for their life. That they are beautiful and they're just different forms of beautiful. And that they have all kinds of potential. And so I want them to know I want to discover their temperament and their personality, and I want to help that to grow. And these eight people will become eight adults. How many of you know that all of children will all become adults, right? You kids sitting on the front row, you're going to all become adults one day. 
And uh, you're going to have the option to uh, live your life. So my job as a grandparent is to put a good label on my kids and on my grandkids. I want them to know that they are God's chosen people and that God has a plan for their lives. I want them to know all the things that God has for them. Labels are messages that are received from others. So uh, sometimes if your child doesn't hear a message from you, they're going to pick it up on their own from somebody else because kids don't know who they are. They are learning that from other people. And if you don't know that our society is going to tell your tell you who you are if you don't tell them first so I am the great label maker in my family that's my job I'm the great label maker and I put labels on my grandchildren I tell them who they are you know kids don't know who they are we tell them who they are that's our job and so I'm going to put a good label on all my kids and all my grandchildren And they're going to get these labels from me because I am their label maker. I'm going to tell them, you are loved. You are good. I like you. I like being around you. You are important. And so when we put the right labels on our kids and our grandkids, then when the world tries to change that, they're going to say, no, this is who I am. Right? The world's going to try to put different labels on them. But if you put the label on them first, then they're going to say, no, this is who I am. So that's our job, to be good label makers for our children. Now, they're going to have lots of experiences in life. They're going to have bad experiences. They're going to be successful. They're going to have failures. But if they have the right labels on them from us, then they're going to be able to overcome. But the problem with some of us is that we didn't have the good labels. Somebody put bad labels on us. Somebody told us we were inadequate. We weren't enough. Somebody told us, you're stupid. You're ugly. You're, you're nothing. You're a loser. You don't measure up. You'll never be enough. People will tell you that. But that's not what God says, right? This is what God says. But the world's going to do this. And we've got to counteract that. Now, neuroscience also tells us that there is a, when you hear a negative message, it releases a hormone called cortisol. And cortisol causes us to be anxious and when you, they've done studies that it, when children who hear negative messages about themselves will, have, will produce higher levels of cortisol in their system. And then they've also discovered that you have inside of your brain what's called the hypothalamus. And that releases a neurotransmitter. It's called dopamine. And when you hear positive messages, dopamine is released in your brain. And it makes you feel positive, makes you feel good. So when we put good labels on our kids, we're releasing 
dopamine in their brain. And when we put negative, we're releasing cortisol in their system. So we actually have the power to put dopamine in our kids' brains by what we say to them. So see, God's word has uh, scientific evidence that supports what he says. Now, are you a good label maker? Are you? Are you a good label maker? Or do you just not say anything? You know, if you don't say anything, what does that say? It says you're nothing. But if you say something positive, that you take the effort to make, to be a good label, make, label maker, then that makes a difference. And it communicates to our children and our grandchildren that God cares about them, and that God's image is in them, and that God has a purpose for their life. You see, God is interested in developing his image in you. And his image is good, and it's positive, and it's healing. And God is interested in developing the real you, the real you that's down inside. Because where is the real you? Can we see the real you? No, we can't. What we see is the outward appearance. We see what is presented to us. The real, the, the real you cannot be seen. Excuse me. I hate it when speakers drink water. <laughs> and here I am once, Scott. Well, the real you is concealed inside of your outer appearance. Some of you are so concerned about your outer appearance. You are so into your hair and so into your clothes and so into how you look. Why don't you spend that much effort with the real you? The real you is inner. It's inside there. And that is the part that God looks at. The Bible tells us that the outward appearance is different than the inner appearance. We're going to look at a story out of 1 Samuel. So turn in 1 Samuel to chapter 16. And here's a story about how God sees a man. He sees a man not from his outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And the Bible teaches us a lot about the human nature. But best of all, God teaches us how we can change and how we can become more, at, more uh, into God's image. Because you see, you are adequate to your calling. And God has a calling on your life. And he wants you to reflect his image in your life. So let's look at this story in 1 Samuel. Now Samuel was a guy in the Bible. Who was the judge. He had come to judge. It was One of them was Samuel. And uh, Samuel was the last judge of Israel. And God would speak to the judge. And the judge would then speak to the people. And so God would direct the people of Israel. Through a spokesman. A judge. And that's the way that it happened in the early part of the uh, people of Israel. But we found out, find out that as time went on, that the people did not like these judges. Instead, they wanted a king. 
And so they said, we don't want a judge anymore. We want a king just like everybody else has a king. And so as Samuel grew older, they said, please give us a king. And so they were rejecting God. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 7. The Lord said to Samuel, listen to the voice of the people in regard to all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. You see, this was the end, the end of the theocracy. God was no longer leading them. Instead, they wanted a king. So God gave them plan B. So there's plan A and then there's plan B that God had to develop. Young people, listen to me. Would you like to have God's plan A or plan B? Which one do you want? You want God's plan A for your life? Or do you want him to have to come up with plan B? You got the choice. <laughs> you got the choice. God is going to work with you. He's going to love you. He's going to forgive you. But he might have to come up with plan B. And then if you mess plan B up, he's going to come up with plan C. And it's not quite as good as plan A was. He, but he's going to work with you. He still loves you. But he has to keep adapting to our free will. Because that's the way he set it up. But God's plan B was to take Saul, was to choose Saul to be the king of Israel. And so, uh, God sent Samuel to, um, to a guy named Kish. So, turn in your Bibles to chapter 9, verse 2. 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 2. Kish was a son, had a son whose name was Saul. And Saul was a choice and handsome man. Ladies, turn to the guy next to you and say, you're a choice and handsome man. Well, there was no more handsome person than he was among all the sons of Israel. For his shoulders and up, he was taller than any of the people. So, Saul was tall and handsome in his outward appearance. You know, kind of like me. But he was inwardly, he felt inadequate. He felt like he was small inside. Look at verse 21. But I am a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel. And my family is the least of all the families of the tribes of Benjamin. Why then do you speak to me in this way? You see, Saul felt inadequate on the inside. Even though he was tall and handsome on the outside. In fact, he was so inadequate in his feelings that when the day of inauguration came, look what he did. Look at chapter 10, verse 21. They looked for Saul. He could not be found. <laughs> Therefore, they inquired of the Lord, has the man come here yet? So the Lord said, behold, he is hiding himself by the baggage. <laughs> so Saul was playing hide and go seek. Y'all played hide and, you know, hide and go seek. Well, Saul was playing that. It was inauguration day. He was scared because he was inadequate. He felt inadequate. And so he was hiding 
under the baggage. But God knew where he was and he told the people he's hiding under the baggage. So God knows where you are too. But that's how inadequate that Saul felt. How many of you have ever felt that way that you were inadequate to God's task? Despite his outward appearance and his tall and handsome outward. So as the story unfolds, Paul, Saul, because he was felt inadequate, he became a people pleaser. And he started listening to people rather than to God. How many of you know that people pleasers feel inadequate inside? That's why they're people pleasers. They're inadequate people. They feel inadequate inside. So they, they feel like they have to please everybody outside. Well, this goofed up Paul, Saul's life. As he was a people pleaser, he would please people rather than listen to God. So, in chapter 15, look at verse 11. Saul finally goofed up so much in his life as a people pleaser that God said this about him in chapter 15, verse 11. Listen to this. I regret that I have made Saul king. This is God talking here. Wow. For he has turned back from following me and he has not carried out my commands. Wow. So Saul was sent by God to remove, Samuel was sent by God to remove Saul as king. And so Samuel reminded Saul of his background. Look at verse 17. Samuel said, it is, not, is it not true that though you were little in your own eyes, you were made the head of the tribes of Israel, and the Lord anointed you king over Israel. So Saul's outward appearance had gotten him a long way. But his inward parts, his inward self, and that's what God sees. God sees the real you. God knows the real you. And God loves the real you. And man sees the outward body. But the Lord sees what man does not see. He sees the real you because your body is not the real you. Listen, people, your body is not you. Your body contains you. Your body is a container. The real you is down inside. Nobody sees the real you except for God. So don't get so big into your outward body. That's not you. Your real you is deeper than that it's your it's your innermost being and so we see here that that Saul failed because he didn't realize this now look at chapter 15 verse 22 Samuel said this to Saul has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord behold to obey is better than what? Sacrifice. And to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of, of divination. And insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord. The Lord has rejected you from being the king. And so Saul was dethroned. And Samuel was given a new assignment. To 
implement plan C. So you see, we go from plan A to plan B, and now we're to plan C. Now, plan C was that Saul was to go to Bethlehem. So look down at chapter 16. In chapter 16, verse 6, then they entered into the house of Jesse. Now, Jesse lived in Bethlehem. Okay, you heard of Bethlehem, right? Well, this is the first time that you hear about Bethlehem in the Bible. This is where Jesse lived in Bethlehem. And he had, he had eight sons. And so God said, go to the house of Jesse. And one of his sons will be my plan C. And so he went to the house there. And Jesse's oldest son was named Eliab. Now look at verse 6. When they entered, he looked at Eliab and he thought to himself, Surely the Lord's anointed is before me. But what did the Lord say in verse 7? The Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his height of stature because I have rejected him. For God sees man, God sees not as man sees, but man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Folks, God looks at your heart. You're more interested in your hair. God's more interested in your heart. That's the real you. And the Bible tells us about the real you. Because as as Saul was choosing the sons, it was not any of the seven obvious choices. But there was this eighth choice. Who was that? That was David. David was, he's just this shepherd boy out there. He's a nobody. But God picked him. God picked the most unlikely source. So, I'll have to drink again. What does the Bible say about the real you? Number one, the real you is created in God's image. We know that. The real you is created in God's image. Genesis 1.27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So, God made a put a good label on you from the birth his we are as parents and grandparents our job is to keep putting good labels on our kids you are made in God's image grandparents keep telling your kids you are made in God's image you are good you're a reflection of God that is who you are your job is to keep putting that label on your kids and grandkids then Remember, you are that great label maker. Now, what is God's image? Let's look at Psalm 139. David wrote this in Psalm 139, verse 14. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and your soul knows it very well. You've heard this, fearfully and wonderfully made. What does fearfully mean? That doesn't mean you're scary. (laughs) Oh, you're scary. No, it means awesome. You are revered. You are to be revered in awesomeness. So really, you could say, 
I am awesome. And that is biblical. That's biblical for you to say, I am awesome. Let's just say that together. I am awesome. You're speaking God's truth about you. So kids tell people, I'm awesome. Because that's the truth. You're made in God's image as an awesome person. Now you're not only fearfully made, but you're wonderfully made. Now wonderful can also be translated as distinct. You are distinctive. You're, you're wonderful in your uniqueness. So it's biblically correct to say, I am an awesome person of distinction. I am an awesome person of distinction. That's how God made you. So that is the label that you need to have wearing around you. I am an awesome person of distinction. And keep putting that label on yourself and put that on your children and grandchildren. But maybe you don't believe that. Well, Paul talked about that in Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9 verse 20. This is a person who is rejecting how they were made. They were rejecting that they're a person of distinction and awesome. Instead, so, so Paul's correcting them. And in chapter 9, verse 20, he says this. Who are you, O man, who answers back to God? The thing molded will not say to the molder, why did you make me like this? Or does the potter have the right over the clay? To make the same lump one vessel of honorable use and another of common use. In other words, God made you with purpose and design. You are made by God. Now today we see an assault on God's image. We see people wondering how they're designed. Instead of accepting their design, they're rejecting it. Or they're, they're thinking that they can come up with their own. You know, this whole sexual identity thing. God, listen, God made you. He, he, you don't choose who you are. God made you and you discover who you are through his making. And so there's a lot of confusion today because people are rejecting God's design. They're rejecting his plan of how he made us. Instead, they're thinking that, hey, I can choose what I am. Well, the Bible tells us that we need to, we were made in his image we're not made to figure out what we are. We're, we're made in his image. So God is God, not you and me. So in review, we can see that the real you is made in the image of God. And secondly, God has chosen the real you and planned good works for you to do. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works. Which God has planned before so that we should walk in them. God has a plan for you to be in a certain place at a certain time to do good works that he's designed for you to do. That's You're on a mission. Now God chose Saul to do a mission. But what Saul did... But Saul said, no, I'm going to do it my own way. God chose David for a mission. 
David said, yes, I'll do what you say. So the question today is, are you going to be more like Saul? Or are you going to be more like David? Are you going to do the assignment that God has called you to do? Or are you going to reject that and do your own thing? Well, God chose all of them, but they all did not respond properly. Because Saul was told to obey is better than sacrifice. So God wants us to obey him out of love. So my question for you today, is the real you being labeled? And do you understand that you are made in God's image? Well, let me pray because I've run out of my voice. (laughs) I apologize for you having to listen to me. But let us pray together that God will use us to be good label makers and to communicate to people that they're made in his image as awesome persons of distinction. That he's chosen us with a plan for our lives. And that plan is a beautiful plan. Let's follow it. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you are awesome. And we want to follow you. We know that you see the real us, the real me inside of here today. The outward me can't talk very well. But the inner me knows that this is your this is your message for us today that you want us to know that we're made in your image as awesome people of distinction and that you have a plan for our lives that you've chosen us to have beautiful families that communicate your beautiful truth so lord help us to be like david not like saul in jesus name we pray amen